Hey, Risso here, George Mason University. I'm here with Dr. Ben Kern from the University of Wyoming. Um, we're discussing the article titled State of the State Results from the Wyoming Physical Education and Physical Activity Policy Survey. Um, it was published in JTPE. Um, as always, I'll put the full site of the article in the notes. Uh, ben, uh, thank you for coming on, and I hope you are um, attuned to the high climate up there because the altitude when I went to Laramie and wrestled there did not treat me well. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Risto. And uh, yeah, I actually, uh, I lived most of my life in Southern Colorado, which is slightly higher elevation than here in Laramie. So I, um, I feel pretty comfortable, actually. But I feel sorry for you uh, doing the wrestling up here if you're not used to it. That's yeah. tough. <laughs> and I think I said this to somebody else who was in uh, Wyoming, but I just vividly remember uh, walking through the visitor's locker room into that, the, I think it's a cowboy arena at that point, what it was called. And, uh, and it says, uh, you are at, and it's like 7,887 feet. How do your lungs feel? And I looked at my coach, I was like, am I, are my lungs supposed to feel really different? <laughs> just wait till the third period <laughs> yeah and then we went to air force after that and that was also at elevation it was just like not a fun tour that we did every two years <laughs> well uh um, way to hang in there uh i'm sure you did the best you could but boy that altitude will take it out of you <laughs> yep yep so but thank you for for joining uh can you talk to me briefly just about the because i looked at the article and there's a bunch of uh, affiliations that are typically not in a like a JTPE journal. You have a, a lot of um, people from different school districts, so maybe you can we can start off by diving into that. Yeah, yeah, um, I'm I'm really happy to have this group with me uh, as authors on this paper because uh, the the second author on there, Paul Melanowski, is is a, a graduate student of mine. And uh, the two of us uh, are, you know, took on leadership roles in our state organization, our uh, Wyoming Association for Health, Physical Education, Recreation, Dance, Wayford, we call it. Uh, and but the rest of the group on the author list are teachers in either Wyoming. One is a teacher in Colorado uh, who. Uh, you know, are just very active and, and were members of our Wayford Advocacy Committee. And so through our, our talks over the course of about a year or so, it was really this group's idea that we needed to have um, a, a better understanding of the state level uh, or excuse me, state and school level policies uh, for physical education and physical activity in Wyoming because they wanted to use that information and still do, um, you know, for making policy initiative pushes within the state. So mm -hmm. uh, this paper was a really um, uh, a culmination of this group's energy and desire to be more plugged in and more well informed about about their own state. Yeah. So it was great to work with them. Well, it's great to see policy work being published and being done. So I appreciate that. Um, so you start off by talking about the effect of policies and the pandemic on the amount of PE and research, uh, recess being offered in schools. Can you give us an overview of where we currently stand regarding PE and recess in schools in the U.S.? Yeah, so it, it's it's a bit of a 
depressing conversation in some ways Mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, right around the early 2000s, we had the No Child Left Behind law that was put into put into play. And uh, some of the initial studies of that showed that that within just a, a few years, four or five years, that the weekly minutes of physical education that was actually being implemented in schools uh, was down by about a third. Oh, wow. It was within five years of, of the law being passed, and which is an indication that many schools uh, were essentially, you know, restructuring their school day to provide more classroom time. And that was generally at the expense of physical education and recess. And so fast forward into uh, the 20, 2020 range of, of years where we did this study, uh, all indications, and there have been some national level studies, but all indications is the, uh, the quantity of physical education and recess really hasn't recovered from that initial drop. And so, um, you know, somewhere in between, uh, somewhere around 130 minutes per week of physical education is what's being offered nationally, mm-hmm. and roughly about that same amount of recess minutes per week. So, you know, you figure how many minutes per day multiplied by generally a five-day week, and that's kind of how that gets calculated. So, these are just best estimates, though. So, and they're well below the the recommendations for uh, what physical education is supposed to be administered. Our recommendations by most public health organizations, including Shape America, is 150 minutes per week in elementary for physical education with 225 minutes per week for secondary schools and roughly 100 minutes per week of of recess. So you can see kind of nationally we're well below on the PE minutes per week and, and somewhat above on recess. Um, with, you know, knowing that recess is generally only offered in elementary schools. Um, the second part of your question is where we stand with, with, with the impacts of COVID. And the, that's a really good question that really nobody knows the answer to. Right. Uh, I think we'll know soon, but uh, many sort of, ane- you know, some anecdotal, but some research has shown that, um, you know, uh, schools have altered their their schedules quite a bit during the pandemic, you know, to provide greater passing periods or they just reduce the amount of uh, physical education, other subjects like art and music and, you know, change scheduling quite a bit. But it's really hard to say exactly what the effect of that has been so far. But but most likely, given the responses, uh, it probably hasn't been good for physical education. So in a nutshell, we're it's a little bit of a. Um, we're not in a great place in terms of quantity right now. We, we have some room for improvement. Yeah. And we can see clearly the difference between recommendations and big P policy, like policies that are actually, you know, law that require something to happen. If it's left up to recommendations, shape American can give a lot of different recommendations, (laughs) but it doesn't mean that that's actually what's, what's happening because there's no accountability for those. Exactly. And, and even in states where there is more um, advanced policy or more more hardline policy about minutes of physical education or recess, those decisions for implementation are left up to the school and district level mm-hmm. with with no accountability measures whatsoever from the from the state level 
uh, you know, policymakers that actually made the policy. Yeah. So, and that, and that um, was a case in California as well. And there had been some lawsuits, um, you know, suing big school districts about not giving, not getting that minimum requirement. But even those, when they had to report, it was they had to put the number of minutes on a website run by the school. Yep. And it's like, okay, well, there's, there's not a lot of oversight there, but I think, <laughs> you know, we, we talked earlier about your, you mentioned the need to examine district school and classroom level data on these PE and PA policies. So can you explain to us what that type of research would look like? Yeah, that's a great question. It's, and it's really, it, it's the direction we want to go with this. And, and, um, in, in in working with this advocacy committee, uh, one of the things they said they wanted to do is they wanted to be able to make a push in their own state to be able to uh, affect some of the state level policy. So they want a minimum amount of physical education. They want a minimum amount of, of you know, physical activity offerings. Um, they want policies against withholding recess and uh, waivers and substitutions and all these things that that negatively affect physical education. Um, and, you know, we are in our conversations. It was like, well, um, if you're going to ask a legislator to to work on your behalf and, and to try and uh, change state state laws, uh, you can't just show up unarmed uh, with uh, maybe a poor choice of words, but, but you need to have data. You need mm -hmm. to have an understanding of where um, where exactly the the implementation is in your state, because many policymakers are not experts in right. in any of this. And and if they do want to help get behind your initiatives, they need to they need to be convinced that there actually is a problem. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, so when so when this group started getting excited about that, our conversation shifted to, well, how can we know what's actually going on in our state? And I said, well, one way you can do is research about it and we can do that. And so that's what we did. Uh, but the but going forward, though, is, you know, you, you certainly need to know what is actually being implemented in terms of policy. But, you know, if we are going to actually make those changes, then assuming we have the data, we need to understand also what are the actual barriers to uh, making changes to policy that would be more favorable for physical education. For example, in most schools across the country, um, you know, building level administrators have an enormous influence over the, uh, the quantity of physical education and recess that are administered simply because they oversee the making of the schedule. Right. And that is the case in, in Wyoming, that um, there is not one district in the state of Wyoming that uh, that has any, uh, you know, in, any firm uh, guidance directly to the administrators within the buildings. Those school schedules are generally up to the uh, the administrators there. And so uh, so some of this continuing policy research could look at, uh, you know, helping administrators understand the value of physical education and and um, and physical activity on the on uh, you know the, the the academic or the cognitive functioning of kids and and also to the academic mission of the school and how they might be able to 
to work within the parameters they already have to make more physical education. Um, and, you know, obviously, like what we, we found in our study was that a lot more uh, recess was being offered than physical education. And, and so it's not like the time doesn't exist there right. uh, within the schedule. So perhaps working towards how we can, we can uh, you know, convince those who would make the policies, the policymakers, uh, what, what's actually stopping them from, from uh, you know, enacting policy that's more favorable to physical education. That, that would be our, one of our biggest pushes. Right. So what, what exactly did you do in the study? Like, what are your, what were your methods? Yeah. So we, we sent out a, a statewide policy, or excuse me, survey, policy survey. Um, and we, we identified physical education teachers across our state. And to the best of our knowledge, we identified all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in a very, in a very low populated state such as Wyoming, which is the least populated state in the country for those who uh, wanted a, did you know, fun fact of the day, we are the lowest populated state. So, so we probably also have the fewest number of physical education teachers and it was about 400 in our mm-hmm. study, right, right around 400. So uh, I imagine where you live, Risto, you could probably come across 400 PE teachers uh, within a 30 minute drive of you probably. I, I would think so. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, in Wyoming, it's a little different. So we we sent this survey out to all physical education teachers in the state. And out of 400, we got about 175 to respond. And we chose physical education teachers because the things that we wanted to know were was actually the actual minutes for every single grade level. So we structured the survey in a way where elementary teachers could only answer the elementary questions and they could plug in the actual uh, times per day they meet their kids for every grade level and the, the number of minutes per each of those classes. And then they also had to tell us if they were a four day a week or a five day a week school, which that's a thing in Wyoming. And so then we had to calculate from there. And so we wanted to have the best and most accurate on the ground estimate of how much physical education was going on, along with a lot of other, um, you know, policy questions. We also wanted to know minutes of recess. We did a similar process that way. Um, but we wanted to know how things compared to the previous year, because we knew we were in a COVID year and things might have changed. Um, we wanted to know about class sizes, whether things are withheld, whether PE or recess is withheld. Um, and whether there were substitutions for non-PE things like, you know, band and ROTC and sports and things like that, or if or if schools can earn uh, outsourced PE credits. So there was a whole list of things we wanted to know. And these were all things that our, um, our advocacy committee came up with. Um, kind of from their own experience, because remember, these were these are physical education teachers in this state. And so they had they were pretty well in tune to what's going on out there. So they, they knew what to ask. So it was so, really cool. And I know the last time uh, Shape America has published a Shape in the Nation report is 2016. And I, mm-hmm. as I understand, it's supposed to be every four years. And now we're in 2022. Um, so there hasn't been one for a long time. Um, is were the questions that you asked similar to what's being asked in the Shape of the Nation report? Uh, actually, they're different. Uh, I mean, the, the Shape of the Nation reports generally look directly at what uh, state-level laws or bulletins are, are in place, and they sort they you know they sort of go from there. They don't 
the shape of the nation reports never really drilled down to the classroom level about how much was actually being implemented. They, they certainly were a good resource for understanding what, um, you know, what policies are, are in place from a state level perspective, but they, they don't go much farther than that. And so that's one of the reasons we wanted to have these data was so that we could approach people at the district level or at the state level and say, you know, we know for sure that in our state, we are not offering nearly as much physical education as is recommended or is even, um, you know, uh, healthy for our kids. And here's how we know we actually collected the data. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's kind of where the, the approach from this group was. And um, and we also consulted other national level studies like the, the school health policies and practices studies that were conducted by the CDC. They do those on a on about every two year cycle. But there again, they uh, they dig a little bit deeper than the shape of the nation reports, but they do not get down to the classroom level in terms of quantity of, of physical education. They get to the district level about policy generally, but that's about as far down as they get. Right. Um, so it's we tried to avoid things that we could already gather from the current research, and we've tried to focus on items that were not available anywhere else. And and by the way, Wyoming is a state that didn't participate in a lot of the, the ship studies, the national studies, mm. uh, for whatever reason. So there was a few other things we needed to ask in there to be, make sure that we had what we needed. But um, that's kind of the approach. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the context of PE and PA policy in Wyoming in general? Yeah, it's it's not great. Uh, this is a state, Wyoming, I love this state, uh, but it's one that does not uh, tend to prioritize making rules about these types of things, uh, about about education, uh, you know, how much how much of any particular content is is being uh, being administered. And so in the case of physical education, we do not have any any uh, state mandated minimums for physical education in terms of minutes or recess in terms of minutes. It is a required subject in Wyoming, so that that is good. Uh, and there is a graduation requirement. There's a one credit graduation requirement for physical education. So, um, so those things are good, uh, but there is no requirement for it to be administered in any kind of volume. And so um, it's really left up to the schools. Um, to make that decision. And there is nothing about physical activity related to recess. Uh, there is nothing uh, in turn in the way of, um, you know, the policy preventing uh, the withholding of recess or PE for punishment. So those things are not, um, those are not really on our books right now, like they, they are in some other states. So, right. yeah. so what, what were kind of like the main findings or main results from from your study? Yeah, so the main things were that, uh, I mean, I'll start with some of the quantities. Quantity of physical education in elementary schools was under um, just under two days per week at a total of 73.1 minutes per week. That was one of the more, more alarming ones um, and a little bit surprising. Some of the... Um, uh, some of the teachers that were on our our author list, our advocacy committee, uh, you know, their their sense of things was was that we were quite a bit higher than that. And we found out 
um, you know, from from the folks we we talked to, that it was quite a bit less. So 73 minutes is is less than half of the recommended 150 minutes per week in elementary school. So our, that's that's quite a bit less. Our, we, um, we found a little bit. Are oh, licensed teachers teaching elementary PE or are classroom teachers allowed to teach PE in Wyoming? Yeah, great question. Uh, in Wyoming, we are lucky. We are all licensed teachers. And and I forgot to mention that in one of our, um, in our state level policy, uh, uh, all content areas are required to be taught by uh, licensed and specialized teachers. Okay. So we are very fortunate there. We, we're not doing a classroom level thing. Right. So yeah, so it, this, is, this is a little different than like the California model uh, where a lot of classroom teachers, and there's a few other states that do that, where the classroom teacher teaches the physical education class and often has has control over whether or not they actually do it right. on a weekly basis yeah. too. So we're we're fortunate to have it, but given that that fortune, we are still extremely low. We're well below the national average in mm -hmm. elementary PE, and so that was a little bit alarming. Um, the other things that were somewhat a little bit more positive were in our secondary grades. So from in middle school, from sixth to eighth grade, we were up over three days per week of physical education on average and a minutes count of 161 minutes, which is still well short of the 225 minutes per week that's that's recommended, but, but certainly an improvement over over elementary. However, with your middle grades, what we found also was that physical education was not being offered all year long. Oftentimes it was nine weeks at a time or maybe a semester at a time, and then students would go to a different section of some other class right. and not get it for a whole semester. And I mean, so, that, that range is wild too, from 50 minutes to 380 minutes per week. So <laughs> yes. it's just like... You know, imagine how different those schools look in middle school when one school is giving 50 minutes and the max is 380. Yep. Yeah, yeah it's ridiculously high. And then when we got to the look in at the high school grades, we saw higher average days per week and at a higher minutes per week. We had actually met the weekly minimum uh, recommendation. We were at 229 minutes or almost 230 minutes, which is over the 225 weekly recommendation. However, what we found, uh, and we didn't report it necessarily in table, but the, you know, most of the high schools were offering, um, you know, physical education to one grade level. Right. So, uh, you know, so we were we were we got grade level data on on all four grades in high school. But we what we can't really tell for sure is which kids went through. You know, most kids don't do four years of, of physical education at high school mm -hmm. um, at 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 best two years usually. But most in most cases, one year. So, you know, perhaps for that one year that the student has physical education, they have a pretty good uh, amount of quantity right. of it. But but for the most part, the three three fourths of their high school career, they don't get a lot of physical education, probably. So, um, you know, it's it, again, it's not um, it's not ideal, really, at any one of the three levels. Um, and it certainly uh, has room for improvement. Right. And then what about can you speak a little bit to the recess like how how often was recess offered was that um every day several times a day kind of yeah so the the recess quantity was actually really positive um in in some ways almost too positive <laughs> so mm -hmm. we we had uh 
you know, if you if you look at the the national average for recess per week, it's it's depending on what study you look at, it's kind of on average right around 130 minutes per week at a with a recommendation of 100 minutes per week. And in our study, we found almost 153 minutes per week of recess. So we have this really inflated uh, amount of recess being offered to our kids in schools uh, and in a really under undersized amount of, of physical education. And so, you know, we, we found many of the schools were offering recess three three times per day even. Uh, the average was around twice, but there was a fair number that were over that and for long periods of time. And so kids are getting a lot of recess, and that's great. But, um, you know, the, 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 the downside of that is, you know, in physical education is where the knowledge and skills to, to live a, a, a healthy and active life are learned. Um, recess is more intended to be a discretionary time where those skills and knowledge can be uh, put to use. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of uh, having having too much of one and not enough enough of the other is not necessarily ideal. Yeah, the minutes so, definitely were lopsided when you look when you compare how much should be offered at the elementary versus what's actually offered in, in recess. And and I don't think any anybody's going to disagree that recess is a is a good thing. Like obviously students need to have that break, but like you said earlier, there is time in the schedule to add more PE and to have such a low amount, half of what is, is recommended. Maybe it (laughs) wouldn't hurt to give another day of physical education in certain elementary schools. Exactly. And, you know, I know you probably will are looking to ask about this, but you know, what's the reason for that? And we tried to, we, we could only speculate because we couldn't really measure exactly, but, you know, um, from a school standpoint, especially those that are most are usually in some kind of budget crisis or at least budget conscious. And, you know, as far as from a, from a monetary standpoint, um, all you have to do is create a space in the schedule for a recess to happen, but to increase or to have added amounts of physical education requires a, in our state, a licensed physical education teacher. Mm-hmm. And so there may be some, there, there may be a financial, um, uh, somewhat motivation behind that. It, it right. could be part, partly that, um, it may, there may be other barriers to, to scheduling as well. Uh, but it, it, it certainly on the surface, it looks like it could have something to do with 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 finance. And, and we did kind of see even we asked the teachers questions about quantities of recess and PE compared to the previous year. And um, it, it appears that the COVID-19 modifications that that took place across the country were not as impactful in Wyoming. Um, almost 80 percent of our teachers said nothing had changed hmm. in terms of quantities. Uh, from the previous year. So um, while there might have been some, we, 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 we thought perhaps this increase in recess might have been just because of COVID. So they give them, you know, more time breaks in between. And it, it doesn't seem like that, you know, the data doesn't really support that from what right. we found. So and the, you mentioned in the article that Wyoming does not have a state requirement for minimum PE minutes. Do you think that that policy influenced what you found in the in the study? I think it does. I really think it does. Um, you know, you get you get sort of get a mixed message when you talk to 
folks, I mean, mixed opinions about the the effectiveness of policy. I guess you know you can take uh, Illinois for example, where I, I did my doctoral work. They had a daily, uh, they had a, a mandate for daily physical education in the state of Illinois, but you know, pretty much everybody knew that daily physical education wasn't really going on right. in most schools. Some. Uh, so, so there's, there's folks who get, are a little skeptical of policy, but, you know, I think Wyoming is a good example of a state where when there is no policy whatsoever around a minimum for, for physical education, which, which we know is both educational and, you know, uh, has, has a health benefit as well, physical health benefit and also other health benefits. But when there's no minimum whatsoever, this is, this is what you will potentially get that that the decision is ultimately at the at the hands of the schools and the districts and the, you know and there's and really by by what we saw in our data they're showing us what their uh what they what they feel is the appropriate approach or the best that they can do i'm sure that i'm sure that each school is trying their best to do the best that they can for their students but this is what this is an indication of what they see as as the value of physical education and how much ought to be offered and and what they're capable of doing i think that's i think it not having a a state level minimum uh just allowed them to you know offer what they thought they could offer and and not really have to think about quantities at all. And so, you know, to, would a would a state level policy absolutely fix this? Um, you know, would be hard to say, but I think in the absence of any policy whatsoever, um, you know, it, it certainly is is lower than it is in other states and that's probably part of it. Yeah. Right. So, and and I we talked about the recess piece, so feel free to jump in. Um, on that, but you know, you talked about how this, like the results from your study, can be seen as a red flag for other states. Like, what what do you mean by by it being possibly a red flag? Like, what what sh- what could the other states learn from this, or you know, avoid from doing? Yeah, yeah. the The red flag statement there. We were trying to get. We're trying to get some language in there to to get some folks uh, to raise an eyebrow or to uh, to get their attention, because uh, you know th- there are still a number of states that don't have state minimums, and we looked at it as you know the quantity of physical education recess have you know they they took this plunge in in the early two thousands they've really not returned. And now we've seen, you know, we've we've seen these big um, uh, economic recessions, one in kind of the around 2008, 2009. And then um, and also now because of the the COVID-19 pandemic. And, you know, we're we're saying without without any kind of uh, basement policy in, in your state, schools are going to make their decisions based on what they think they can do. Uh, what, what they think is best for their kids. And, and I think there is a perception out there that, uh, you know, that, you know, I, I think this is where the recess thing came from, too, is like there's a perception that physical education and recess are, are really just a break from the real learning that's going on in school. Right. So they're extra. They're marginalized things, especially physical education is marginalized. So without policy that, that signals to schools what is important and what they what they must be uh, addressing, uh, you know, that 
they're kind of left free to go on their own and their perception of the the value of this to the academic mission of the school is what will drive quantity numbers and you know you can say quantity of physical education is, is important to the to, for the ki- for the health of the kid, the health and well-being of, the, of the, the kids in the schools, but it will also determine the way of of the workplace and the field. It, the less minutes that are being administered in physical education in schools, the less PE teachers we will actually need, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. And so that that has a ripple effect all the way up to higher ed. That you know the the less is needed in the field, the less are going to be entering your program. Um, you know, it, it will have a, a ripple effect all across. And so, you know, the, the red flag there is is all through, um, you know, all through this from the actual implementation of policy all the way up to the policy makers are we'd really like folks that have uh, sort of a, a policy minded approach in each state to take notice of what we did and take a look at their own state and see where they're at. Yeah. Uh, because I mean, really, our you know, you and I are in these positions that really depend on on having quality physical education in a in a reasonable quantity every day in schools. Uh, over time, we will be without jobs yeah. <laughs> if that doesn't continue to happen. You know, so yeah, and I know you uh, talked about uh, these kind of recessions and financial impacts that have happened. And one of your citations and your and your references talks about a four day week. Um, for school, and I know that there's some rural school districts and some, you know, medium-sized school districts that have moved to a four-day school week, which then, you know, where if we're losing one more day, one, it's it's a burden on parents having to figure out what they're going to do on every single Friday for childcare. Two, yeah. if you're only being if you're only going to work four days a week, is that last day just being cut from, let's say, a PE teacher? So is that going to be a part-time job now without the full benefits? And so are you going in and doing a four-day work week? Oh, that's awesome. You don't have to go to work on Fridays, but you're only getting paid 80% of a full person, like full salary, losing benefits and stuff. That's a legitimate concern. Fortunately for the schools here that have taken on the four-day week, Colorado is another state that is pretty famous for doing that. And they, they actually... They, the way they structure the day is they get the same number of weekly minutes of contact time with students that are actually in the school as they do in a five-day week. So they extend the length of the four-day, uh, the, the school day on those four days. However, it's really detrimental to PE and recess mm-hmm. uh, because it's, assume you were in a daily physical education school where you got PE day, that's still only four days a week, not five. Right. And, uh, and you know, most of these schools are indicating that they're not doing daily physical education. Most, most are not. And what they're ended up doing is they're putting a lot of uh, a higher quantity to the length of the PE class. For example, if you look at the data in our paper, uh, we found that the kindergarten, the, the kindergarten kids in Wyoming, the average length of the class was almost 38 minutes. And uh, and that went up to like almost 40 minutes in fifth grade. And it's like, you know, much, you know, even Shape America talks about uh, 30 minutes is, is, is much anything over 30 minutes for elementary kids could potentially, you know, be an extraneous return. Um, you know, a kindergarten kid that's in a PE class for 38 minutes once per week, it, you know, that's that's generally what was happening there. And it's like that, that isn't really 
all that beneficial to the kid. And, well, and it's you a know, kindergarten. Be much more beneficial to be more often than being these long lengths. Right. So, with a kindergarten kid at 37 and a half minutes with a standard deviation <laughs> of 12.9. So it's not like that's the average, but there, there are kids seemingly here, you know, in that class for 50 minutes. And yes, a absolutely. Like, Teaching kindergarten for 50 minutes is tough. I, I've been there. It's, <laughs> yes. it's a difficult, it's a difficult challenge for sure. And I think that's part of the result of the four day week in many, cause we had about out of a hundred elementary schools that were represented in the study, about 25% of them had a four, four day a week school. So, you know, they might assume they were offering the two day a week PE version that the, that, that was the average then yeah, they're probably offering, you know, kindergarten kids about a 40 minute class twice a week. Yeah. And then they're getting, you know, two or three recesses at about 15 minutes a piece uh, strung out throughout the day. Well, if you think about that, you know, even though that's minutes wise is, you know, it's better than not having uh, those minutes, but there's an extraneous return there. It's much more uh, beneficial to have the regular amounts of physical ed activity uh, and probably from an educational standpoint for those younger kids to have more manageable sized chunks of, of educational time too. Yeah. So it, it, the approach here is you can see they're trying to, um, they're trying to maintain what they can for their kids. I, I, I mean, that's just my own opinion, but, uh, but the approach is, is really not, um, it's not ideal for, for the students, you know, when you look at it this way. So what's next? I mean, we talked about a lot of the results from the study, what they mean. What are your suggestions for future research to address the issues that you you highlighted in the in the paper? Yeah, I think one of the first things we need is since since we found this in in, in Wyoming and it was as eye-opening as it was and there was really no other options for getting uh, these type of data I think a, a logical next step is to try and replicate this study in all 50 states. Um, and that's, that's a very ambitious thing to say and do, but it, but it can be done. And it wasn't all that difficult for us to do in our state. And granted, we have a, a much smaller population than other states. But, uh, you know, for a state like where you live in Virginia uh, is a much higher population. Mm -hmm. But it, it would not necessarily be um, it wouldn't necess it wouldn't be necessary to get every single physical education teacher in the state of Virginia. But if you could get a a good random uh, stratified random sample so that you had strata from all different geographic locations within the state, different socioeconomic status level schools and, uh, you know, a, a really good representative sample in each state. A survey like this could go out and would be uh, very informative and would be would would it would inform our entire field, but then would inform the you know sort of the policy champions within each state. I mean, yourself, for example, if you had these data, um, you know, what could you do with working with some of your state partners to to improve things in your own state? So that's kind of what we want to do moving forward with that. But we also the other things we want to do is 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 take a really close look at where uh, where we think there's there's a place for movement to happen. And I kind of mentioned earlier that, that state level policy makers 
uh, are relatively uninformed about what we're talking about, why we need PE in recess in reasonable quantities. Um, but school principals and, and superintendents and school boards and the people who make decisions on the district and school level um, many times have a lot of autonomy about what and how things get distributed in schools. So uh, to understand what their uh, what their needs are, what their understandings of physical education and recess are, uh, what barriers there are to creating more favorable policy, and what, what things that, that could potentially facilitate them making different decisions. Yeah. So we need to know more about that because, you know, school principals are sort of, uh, if you look through our literature, are sort of uh, historically un, uninvolved in physical education. You know, it's generally this this kind of, as long as they're not getting hurt and I don't get a lot of disciplinary, you know, write-ups, um, whatever you do in the gym is fine with me. Uh, and we want to try and get past that and, and under, help, help those folks understand what the real, real value to the academic mission is for physical education so that they might make those different uh, policy decisions. So, but there, there's a lot to understand about their work and their job and how they, they go about that. So we, we still need to have that. Um, and, and then ultimately, we, we, we just need to have hard data to present to our policymakers um, on all levels. Um, and we just don't have that right now. So, so let's say um, if, this is starting a process. Let's say if I'm a researcher in, let's just get Virginia as an example, uh, and I want to do something like this. And where where would I start? What would I what would I do? Yeah, great, great question. Um, actually, I'm, I'm working with a group of uh, researchers that are trying to organize peat uh, uh, faculty around the country to begin helping to develop a 50-state database of physical education teachers that are representative of, you know, their own state-level demographics that we could, over a period of time, say uh, four to five years, um, distribute this type of survey in all 50 states. And so that we would have a a, a very, very accurate um, estimate of where things are at from a policy standpoint. And so to, to get involved with that, uh, well, I'll certainly reach out to you at another time uh, to get you involved with the group that I'm working with. But uh, anybody interested in doing this, even without the collaboration of the group I'm working with, could begin looking at, um, there, there are ways to get the, uh, the state level uh, listings of all the schools in in your state uh, and then begin, you know, contacting physical education teachers and beginning to build a database of your own state mm -hmm. that, um, you know, is representative of state level demographics. So uh, that's kind of the, the starting point. But, uh, you know, I would encourage anybody that's listening to this, the that you know, I am part of a group that's, that's trying to make this happen and would love more collaborators. The more, the merrier. <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll send them your way and we'll put um, a link to the paper. And that paper has uh, your contact information on there as well to follow up on the, on the study. So um, really appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, thanks, Risto. It a, it's an honor to be here. I'm glad to, uh, glad to be able to share and um, really enjoy your work. Thank you. Thanks. And... And it's good to have this type of policy uh, content on here as well. And I know Hans von der Mars has come on before to talk about some policy and they had uh, a special issue about that. And 
um, we'll keep talking about these things uh, because they, they are really important. So um, that's all we got for you on this one. Uh, I want to thank Alba Rodriguez for her help in producing the podcast. And uh, Ben, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Rista. If you're still listening, you're probably really into health and physical education. So I'm going to use this opportunity to pitch our master's program to you if you don't have your master's degree yet. Um, Our 100% online master's degree program we offer at George Mason is affordable. You can do it while teaching, and it's high quality. Um, Mason was listed as one of the top 50 universities under 50 years old in the world. Our education department was ranked in the top 10 nationally for the online master's degree program in curriculum and instruction. The master's degree uh, revolves around your teaching. So you'll use assignments from the classes to immediately apply research and best practices to your classes. You'll be part of a tight-knit cohort of health and physical education professionals who are passionate about teaching. You're also going to get an opportunity to interact with students in other content areas So if you're interested, you can email me, look me up on Twitter, or you can go on the hpewebsite.com under study with us and watch a video that I've made.